0: Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 139 with my friend Keith Bartley. This is the last episode of the season. The summer series starts next week, and I'm very excited about that. So stay tuned for what that's going to be all about. But that's not what we're focusing on right now. Right now, we're going to say hello and meet our new friend. So without further ado... Here's my friend, Keith.
1: You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my
0: friend? Would you like to be my friend? Well, hi, Keith. Hi, Justin. Is it strange that I thought your beard would be fuller? <laughs> no, actually. Okay. This uh is pretty trimmed up at the moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, I don't know why, no. I, I. but that's <laughs> that's the thought I had. Um, thanks for doing this and Jack. rescheduling a couple times. And <laughs> Yeah, thank
1: you also for being flexible. I'm excited to hey, talk buddy. to you. I
0: haven't talked to you in so long. Um, I'm going to wait a second before I dive into the random... Remember that time? Remember that time? Remember that time? And yeah. I'll first start how I normally do and just like how I know you, which I think is just high school, right? Like that's where we met i was i
1: was trying to remember if we met in middle school but did you go to clarkston
0: i drew a sashba middle school that i go to sashba okay yeah it's Clarkson. oh so no so. so it's high so school. okay high school it was <laughs> yeah yeah um and i i'm wondering if you have a better memory than i do there because if you were to ask me like when we met i i i don't know um between no like Ram's horn and mutual friends and <laughs> the back hallway between like the band room and media. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea either. Every picture I have mm-hmm. that's like at Ram's horn with either like Scott Miller or Maria or uh, Joe Davenport or like you're, you're there too. <laughs> <laughs> Getting in the weeds here. Anyway. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> but then all yeah. that matters is that we met.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and
1: it was wonderful.
0: Yeah, I was always a fan of you, and uh, uh-huh. we find ourselves in the same place sometimes. And then you used to come up to Bar Louie when I'd play shows <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, that was fast-forwarding to our twenties. But um, yeah, and I think that was the visual I had. I was because I think you you were rocking a pretty full beard at some point during the Bar Louie days. It,
1: um, you know, it goes in waves, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's long, sometimes it's short. I can't really remember what time is what,
0: who knows? but
1: yes, yeah, it probably was both
0: at one point. Um, That was my favorite time to play music. So it's, I, yeah. look, I look back at that time fondly and, and the people that were there and you were, you were a regular and thank
1: you again for your support. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for entertaining us. Mm. It was always wonderful. It was something I look forward to. Yeah. I miss
0: I miss playing music and drinking Um, (laughs) on that note let's let's rewind a bit Uh, you're born are you do you grow up around around here Clarkston area Pontiac whatever
1: Uh, yeah grew up in Clarkston right at the edge of Lake Orion oh it was like the last house on the bus route that was in Clarkston and do you have siblings grew up there yeah, my sister, Brianna, she's two I, years older.
0: I don't I don't think I ever knew that. Really?
1: Uh, she was in high school with us, what, two years? Two years, yeah. So, wait, she graduated
0: in 99. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why, yeah. but I, so I don't she think was I like, ever knew that. I was just thinking about that. I was like, I think Keith might be an only child. But alas. No, I am not. You're another I'm younger brother. Um, Indeed. So tell me about. You have a brother, right? Yeah, older brother. Cute. He's graduated in 98, so three years older. Um, okay. Tell me about growing up in Clarkston with your with your older sister.
1: Uh, it, was, uh, it was a good time. We we lived down in the forests at the end of Clarkston. <laughs> there was like no other Clarkston kids to play with. So my sister and I had to play together a lot, which was fine. It was good. We got along great. What do your parents do as far as when, I you're, remember? when you're a kid for work and whatnot? Dad was a firefighter. Okay. So he had a w- weird schedule like work a 24-hour shift and then I'd be off for 24 hours or off for 2 days or something like that. So it was kind of goofy. That's wild. But uh my mom was multiple things. Okay. <laughs> she <laughs> let's me see, medical billing, I think, and then that's all I remember and then my dad left, divorced my mom.
0: How old were you when that happened? Oh, you were eight? Eight. So you probably got some good memories of that happening. Oh, yeah. I got some great trauma I'm working through with my therapist. Well, that's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> eight seems this is uh, obviously anecdotal, but like late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my personal experiences, I was four, right? Uh, my brother mm-hmm. was seven. And then most people I talk to, I feel like it's like the three to five. <clears throat> age. So eight, you yeah. get, you get some time in where you're like, this is our family. And
1: then, so what yeah. does that look like? <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder like how, how different the trauma is for younger kids versus older kids. I know like my sister and I, it's very different the way we felt about it and understood what yeah. was happening. Um, I think she was more angry with my father at the time than I was, or at least was able to process as an eight-year-old.
0: What was your um, relationship like with your mom and dad prior to the
1: divorce? Yeah, you know, it's something I've been talking with my therapist about a lot. Like, <laughs> trying to remember what it was like, like with my dad before he left. Um, as far as I remember, it was pretty good. It's great. Okay. He was supportive and encouraging um my mom has always been an angel yeah she's an amazing woman that's great um yeah and i mean it wasn't i don't feel like there was any emotional abuse or physical abuse or anything like that do you remember
0: how you found out they were getting a divorce
1: uh yeah my (laughs) dad uh took me and my sister into my sister's room and we were sitting on her bed and he told us that he was the i mean i don't remember exactly what he said but he told us he was moving out and i didn't really understand why yeah and uh you know, he was saying you know repeating that it's not your fault it's not your fault thing but you know, kids always think it's their fault. That's how it works. Um, that's how it works. <laughs> And uh, there was a lot of crying and,
0: you know, please don't go, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. Where's your mom at during uh, this conversation?
1: I don't know. I think she was at work. Oh, okay. Uh, she was not home. And I don't remember the timeline between him, like when he told us that versus when he actually moved yeah. out. I mean, it might've been the next day, but I don't yeah. remember. Um, he also told me, you're the man of the house now, which <sighs> I always thought, uh, That's... I'm eight. Yeah, <laughs> That's not how this works.
0: Uh, so yeah, there's that. What, what does that look like then post-divorce? Is it like a custody stick around the area? Do you guys see
1: him? Yeah, he moved to Sycamore Creek Apartments. Oh, yeah, in baby. Lake Orange. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. around, around the corner. Yeah, my old stomping uh, grounds. Oh, yeah.
0: That's a rite of passage in my mind that you have to live there at some point to really experience life and all its pleasures.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, he lived there for a while. So he was close, and he tried to you know, make an effort to be present. Yeah.
0: Um, Did you guys do like an every other weekend situation or something like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was as far as I know, the majority of it. Okay. Um, I mean, he would come to school things still and pick us up and take us places if we needed to go. So he was still trying to be a dad. Uh, Yeah. I'm not sure that I felt like, I mean, obviously I felt like it was just different. Like he was a different dad, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, he's left for another lady. So uh, we did not like her <laughs> at all. That's, yeah. Understandable. Huh? Um,
0: you and your sister. So you're talking <laughs> about you guys hanging out, playing in the woods. What's that relationship like once... Dad's out of the picture in the house. Because you said she um, she kind of took it differently. Like, did that result in some friction between you guys? Or did you glue them closer together? Closer together,
1: I'd say, for sure. Because when, when my dad left, my mom decided to go back. I mean, after handling her own grief from that, she... Well, I guess kind of during that. I'm actually amazed at how she handled the whole situation she raised two kids dealt with her grief went back to school full-time worked full-time um so that left me and my sister kind of helping out a lot more to keep the house clean and sometimes we have to like mom would start some meal in the morning and then we'd like put it in the oven at a certain time and you know that kind of that stuff so there's a lot more responsibility all of a sudden yeah um and i think we both kind of learned those responsibilities together and helped each other out uh i definitely remember at least one moment where i just got really angry i don't think i was angry at my sister you know in retrospect just angry at life in general at the moment so but we're good it's all good
0: (laughs) um what is what's life like outside of your house then uh at that like after the divorce after the divorce going to
1: junior high soon like all that fun stuff yeah there's there's kind of like a a gap in memory i think because of that moment of grief in my life like i remember things about being home and taking care of stuff i don't remember much about Going to school during that time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I... I did go to school, but <clears throat> uh I think I was my mom says my mom says that I was definitely quieter and more reserved. I think that was just how I was. Yeah. In the outside world as well. Yeah. Just kinda of kept to myself. Were you you think you were
0: like depressed as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. For sure
1: i mean with grief you just kind of you have these expectations of how your life is supposed to go and when you know something huge in that line of expectations is taken away it just you know changes yeah. your whole world you know you don't know what to expect or look forward to anymore and i forgot my train of thought but yeah i was oh yeah i was yeah i was definitely depressed as a kid and struggled with that
0: on and off my life since it's funny you mentioned the like a memory block i relate to that so much because when i think about childhood like i think of like i can tell you what tv shows were on (laughs) and what year like (laughs) toys came out but when i think about the actual like aspects of life that i guess make life like family and like school and when i was like i don't know <laughs> but, but tiny tunes was <laughs> fucking awesome so <laughs> Heck yeah
1: i love tiny tunes
0: um i'm curious about something that i feel like enters around middle school i assume one of the things that i knew about you in, in school band <laughs> band when do yeah. you start playing an instrument <laughs> I think that's sixth grade.
1: Okay. Pretty sure I looked at playing the trumpet and just didn't like it. I not like how it sounded. <laughs> too. Too trumpety. Whiny or like, tr- <laughs> too, yeah, too trumpety. Uh, but I mean, trombone is obviously the cool inst- coolest instrument. So. I played I trombone
0: because my lips were too big for other <laughs> instruments. That's what I was told as a as an 11-year-old. Um mm. And this brings us to junior high. Are you? Do you have memories of junior high? Was it just as terrible as it was for many people? <laughs> oh, yeah. Junior high was the worst. What made it uh, the worst? Uh,
1: kids are just jerks in middle school. <laughs> They're big old jerks. Um, I especially remember a certain group of people. One in particular who uh i'm way home from school one day on the bus uh he just kept me squished up against the window the entire time on purpose and calling me names and stuff i was just like this guy's dumb (laughs) wait till he gets off the bus but yeah that was that was fun yeah Yeah. so getting bullied a little overall yeah overall i think middle school was good good in terms of my development as a human being (laughs) well i imagine at that point
0: you're you're three or four years outside of the divorce you're obviously taking on more responsibilities at home i imagine at that point your sister's watching you when you guys are home your mom's working or whatever Mm -hmm. going to school um does it do you feel like i guess reflecting back not at the time Unless you're, maybe you're super advanced, um, but you, <laughs> did you feel like you you were kind of like a little more evolved than the other kids around you? Or yeah, because I feel yeah, like I, I mean did. I'm projecting these questions in some ways because like <laughs> uh, divorce was still it was like oh your parents are divorced like yeah that's true uh, you know at that time period where now Hmm. it's just like, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Like, Oh, you're
1: getting married at 22. Oh, that's not going (laughs) to (laughs) last.
0: It is a sad thing, man. Me, (laughs) I've been with Erica for 17 years. And I think more 17 years or no, total no, no. 17 years total. But I think more people that more weddings that we've been to have gotten divorced than are still together. And yeah. That is crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a big bummer. You know what? You know what makes me angry about that, in a way, <laughs> is that I feel like—no offense—but yeah. straight people <laughs> don't value marriage as much as I think gay people do because it's so much harder to find someone to marry, and we've had to fight for that right but meanwhile straight people are just like oh let's get married like oh i hate you we live together now let's get divorced a year later like, yeah it's called privilege but i
0: mean i, I think you're nail on the head like any marginalized population like knows to not take for granted the shit they had to fight for whereas yeah <laughs> us us white folk and <laughs> us straight white men are just like whatever um and like, yeah, it's a joke, but it's also, I mean, I think you're exactly right with a lot of that stuff. Uh, and it's yeah. so much easier, yeah. I imagine, for someone that like any straight person to grow up in a like that grew up like a nuclear family and just has that American ideal of like you graduate, you go to college, you meet your your husband, you get <laughs> married and, and have kids. And American dream. yeah, uh, I think it's real easy to just follow that blindly and then wake up at like 33 and be like oh fuck <laughs> so um yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories there uh oh yeah on the note of but go ahead
1: i was just gonna say that i really appreciate and respect those who do make it work and last and actually put in that time to build the relationship instead of just like getting married because they think that's what they're supposed to do, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. We didn't get married till mm-hmm. our eight year anniversary. <laughs> that's great. That's a long time. I think you know by then for sure.
0: <laughs> you, you'd think so. <laughs> Surprise. We're getting a divorce. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> no. Edit this out. Edit this out. Um, on the note of, of um, gay marriage, uh, where, where does that come into play when you're growing up? Because, we're I feel like life-wise, we're in junior high. Are you yeah. are you noticing feeling anything at that point?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure I had a crush on somebody in junior high, but I couldn't remember names. <laughs> but you don't want to shout yeah, them I out real quick. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's one in particular that I like can visualize, but I do not recall his name at all.
0: That's Chad Ninety. His but... name is Chad Ninety.
1: <laughs> I mean, we all love Chad. Everybody has a crush on Chad. Ain't um, that the truth. But, you know, I still had female friends that I had feelings for, and that was confusing as well. Yeah. And I think I had one girlfriend in middle school, Beautiful Melissa Bailey. Yeah. We dated for a week. It's cool. great.
0: <laughs> Best relationship uh, in, in your life.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I, I'm glad to know Melissa. She's a great,
0: great lady. Yeah, she's an amazing person. <clears throat> um who I will get on this show eventually. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> hmm. Oh, don't think I haven't barked up that tree, Keith. Uh oh. <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> junior high, uh overall okay, getting bullied, some oh, uh, yeah, feeling a little confused uh, about boys and girls enter high school, <laughs>
1: yeah, enter high school, yeah, and between eighth grade and ninth grade, I got contact lenses, so I didn't have nerdy glasses on anymore, how dare you, and uh <laughs> Which I mean, yeah. I go with the glasses these days. Nerdy is hot. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that gave me a lot of confidence to not be wearing glasses when I started ninth grade.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I yeah. knew you wore
1: glasses.
0: Did you wear glasses at all in high school or was it always contacts?
1: Um, mostly contacts. I'm sure I wore glasses at okay. least two days in high school. I didn't get glasses till after high remember. school. <laughs> oh, really?
0: Yeah. That's very strange yeah. to me.
1: That's what happens with aging, man. How dare you? Things start go to shit.
0: <laughs> Is this, at what point do you, or maybe, I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but what, at what point do you, like, find your people um, and start to feel, like, comfortable socially?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely like had some people in middle school that i you know kept with yeah i mean freshman year was weird it's always new people and uh you just kind of feel different going from one school to an- another yeah, yeah you're like oh i'm a high schooler now i mean it's like different world so you're feel like your mindset changes in some way.
0: Yeah.
1: But um there's also people I was really close with that I I never like I never didn't like or just kind of found different groups in high school, you know. Yeah. Junior year was like when I really felt like I had a group that I was comfortable with.
0: I'm curious you do you went to college out of high school. Yes. Or no. Kind <laughs> of. Okay. kind Cause how are you doing academically uh, through all this? I was, I was really good at school. Okay.
1: Like I got always in math. Uh, science was like an A minus B plus kind of subject. It's the the topics that I did not do well at are things like history where you have to memorize like dates and names and places and recall those on a test. And that's what you're graded on. Like, that's not how my brain works. I'm sorry. I think I kind of just had, so I was pretty focused. Yeah. But also not focused because when I was 10, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So apparently I wasn't very focused. But Ooh. I did well. Did you get medicated for that? Uh, oh, yeah. I had to go to the the office to get my meds at lunchtime every day Riddling. i had (laughs) in for a
0: brief stint around that time (laughs) a little riddling here a little prozac here it's all it's all about being
1: being 11 or 12 jog them up to keep them normal yeah that's all you gotta do i think because i was diagnosed so young i was that was like early in the research on adhd so i was just kind of under the impression that i would grow out of it and i only needed it to focus on things like at work or school um but outside of that you're fine but i've learned recently like in my 40s i mean i am 40 so at 40 i started using facebook again just to because i didn't want to use instagram anymore i don't know i was just you know jumping around uh and it like put me in ADHD real world so I was like yeah. scrolling through all these ADHD things like talking about hyperfixations and uh ADHD paralysis and wait a minute I've been super hard on myself for like 20 years about not being motivated or being able to start or finish tasks and like I've had this house for about six years now and i've barely done anything to it but i have all these great ideas yeah and i can't start them but it's not because i'm unmotivated and depressed i mean maybe a little bit but apparently it's my adhd and that's how it affects adulthood i mean just just realizing that i don't have to be hard on myself anymore and i can you know fix or switch my mindset to be like oh i'm having a Paralysis moment. Here's what I need to do to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's a whole new world now. Yeah, reframing. finally at forty. Yeah,
0: <laughs> reframing that shit is is imperative. It's funny. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have a similar house problem. But the opposite, where I I have started a lot of projects, but they're all at about ninety percent. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sounds perfect. Right. I will often get asked, "When are you going to put the trim on that?" Justin? because <laughs> that's the last step, and I just I don't know <laughs> why. When I got to that, I was like, "I guess we're done now." <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and thinking about going I, back I to it
0: feeling. sounds like just I've the got, worst thing
1: in the world. <laughs> yeah, I've got the wallpaper in my bathroom like half removed. Now I've just got like splotchy <laughs> walls. with like wallpaper backing stuck on my walls. It's and vintage Keith. Like it's years. vintage. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> was there I mean, because your mom went back to school while you're in school, was there pressure mm-hmm. to you on you to go to college, especially since you were doing
1: well in high school? I feel like that was always the expectation. Okay. I don't feel like I was pressured to do it. I, it was just like it's just what the expectation do. I grew up with, so that's what I had in my mind. Yeah. You know? um, so, what does that look like but, once you graduate? So, uh, my first year out of high school, I moved to LA and was in the big show choir group called the Young Americans for a year. Which was really fun. Tell me
0: about that. <laughs> did I don't I don't think I knew that. And if I did, you told me when I was drinking. Um so, Probably. Tell me about <laughs> um because like I've lived in LA and I know how self destructive I was yeah. at 18. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me about moving to LA. Are you out at that point or no? No. So, yeah, what, what does that um, whole year look like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting year. Um, so the Young Americans is a show choir group that travels around the world uh, to different schools and teaches music and teaches you how to be a good person, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, like a I think it was three-day workshop. It's all grades from like preschool to senior and they all do this workshop and there's different groups, obviously. And for like juniors and seniors, being in that workshop is also kind of like an audition to be in the group if you want to. And then like a few weeks later, I got this big old packet in the mail. It's like, congratulations, you're touching the young Americans. And I was like, wow. So that kind of threw my world for a loop and my parents threw a loop. Cause then we had to shift to me going to California for a year. So I was like, "I'm not gonna not take that opportunity." Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: what a random opportunity yeah, to it,
1: take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. But no, that was a a great experience. Like the, the first year, people in that group they learn like all the different pieces that the Young Americans do, all the different dances and songs and songs and dances together. So my year was basically spent doing that. But some people, they had, like, audition for solos, et cetera. And there was this one moment that, like, boosted my confidence a million percent. It's like, the line of people lined up to have this one, like, single verse. Not even a verse. Like, three lines of a song. They went down the line, and everyone was trying to sing the solo piece. And they were all, like, really quiet and timid. And then I just was just like, fuck it belted it out and everybody was like wow clapping like wow that was amazing I was like okay I didn't know I could even do that but (laughs) sweet but that was like a really impactful moment where you know in high school I was shy and you know not super confident and then like I knew I had talent and singing but I never really thought I would do anything or I would do anything with it. So that was like a moment that solidified that, oh, you know, you are talented and good at some things. What do you think think. gave
0: you that like confidence in that moment to just be? (laughs) I have
1: no idea. (laughs) 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 I think I was just like thinking in my head, like, can I hit that note? Like, I know I can do it in falsetto, but can I just like, hit that note? Yeah. And then it came to me and I just did it. I was like, I think I can do it. So I did it. And I did it.
0: <laughs> Outside of the organization, did you like experience anything in Los
1: Angeles? Uh, Really bad drivers. <laughs> um, uh-huh. A lot of traffic. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I met some great people in the school outside of the young americans um i worked at blockbuster i started at blockbuster videos yeah Uh, (laughs) um i I met some really great people in the group that i would hang out with outside of rehearsals and stuff, stuff like that um and i think it was i mean i was forced into being completely independent. Like my parents were three thousand miles away. Yeah. Um, so I had to really be independent. Um, which good thing my dad left. Otherwise I wouldn't have learned how to take care of myself. See it was all for the uh, better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All comes from, yeah. Um yeah, I would explore the city first like semester of that year. I didn't have a car. I just had my bike. And then I flew back with my friend and then we drove back to California, which, if you've never done, it's really a great drive. It just takes a long time. It does Uh, take a long time. So I had my 1989 Buick Park Avenue out there. uh, (laughs) And yeah, got to explore the city a little more. I got my annual pass to Universal Studios because it was amazing. My friend Travis Bean and I would go to downtown Disneyland and have a volcano from. Rainforest Cafe once in a while, just hang out. <laughs> yes. Time. I love it.
0: Uh, and you were only out there a year? <laughs> yeah. So what uh, happens after a year?
1: Well, I should have stayed longer. I feel like that group could have taught me a lot and given me a lot of opportunities. But I was kind of a prude at the moment. And, you know, I wasn't, I was 18, 19, wasn't into drinking or drugs and i felt like we were going around to all these schools teaching these kids about like being good kids and being responsible and kind to others And meanwhile, outside of rehearsals all these people are getting high and drunk when they're not of legal age which is sinful um so my you know 19 year old mind was like i can't be in this group it doesn't come with my values um <laughs> so But I also had scholarship money from some Michigan thing where the meal scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. Meat. Yeah. Yeah. I had that. I was like, might as well use that. So I came back and went to Oakland University. Hey, oh. Take care of uh, of my general ed things before I figured out what the heck I wanted to do in my life. When? uh, When does life,
0: uh, when do do your, to quote you values, uh, shift,
1: uh, shortly after I got home from (laughs) California. Just checking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, but that's my first year back home is when I started dating guys. Okay. My first boyfriend was, was a bad influence and liked to party. So can you
0: fine?
1: (laughs) <laughs> if
0: i mean if you don't care if you don't mind uh can you tell me about coming out and what that was when
1: that happened what that was like yeah so i was i think it was this summer fall after i got back which would have been what 2022 or 22 oh God. 2022 so, well, 2002 <laughs> i am 2000 20 years old <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um um yeah i remember i mean i I know i met a guy when i was in california that was in kind of the same boat not out but curious and things happened so i kind of figured that out while i was out there like all right when i get home i'm gay now (laughs) like so uh these kids these days they move to california for one year and they come back gay
0: what is going on here
1: (laughs) But yeah, I came back from California and uh, was suddenly gay, apparently. Um, but somehow I figured out how to talk to other gay men online. I don't remember how or where.
0: Because um, it was 2002, uh, and that's yeah, what you used like the internet AOL for?
1: chat room or something. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, you left but LA right guy. before the Craigslist craze, so it could have been sure. much worse. <laughs> Believe me, I was part of it. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah I met this guy online and decided to like meet him in real life which I was terrified to do and we started hanging out became friends and then boyfriends and I was dating him before I came out to my mom and that's kind of how I came out to my mom like wrote her a note when she wasn't home because I didn't know how to like actually tell her face to face Uh, and then yeah I basically said I'm dating a guy now and I'm gay and then I was going to take a shower and leave and go see that boy but while I was in the shower my mom came home and found the note
0: oh, <laughs> oh
1: shit! Oh, poorly <laughs>
0: um, timed
1: <laughs> yeah but uh, it was fine she I don't remember if she even saw it actually before I left I don't remember but she was fine with that and then uh, I didn't really tell my dad because he when he left my mom. He, he found Jesus and was going to church and very Christian all of a sudden, which we did not grow up with, which is weird to me. Yeah. Um, and so I just didn't really want to tell him. But when that guy and I broke up, I was... I lost my first love, so I was super depressed for a bit. Um, and I, I was talking to my dad on the phone or something. He could tell I was really sad, and he asked me why, and I just told him. And he was like, "You mean like gay?" I like, yes, Dad. Does the Lord know? <laughs> does Jesus know about this? And uh, I don't remember much of that conversation, otherwise. But I do remember that he called my mom shortly after that, and. Tried to talk her into sending me to a Christian psychologist that he knew of
0: to uh, fix me. But my mom was like a conversion psychologist?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. that uh, must be so uh, like, boy, erased. Um, but my mom was not having any of that and she let him have it. So.
0: When did you and your Good sister, time. did you, or did you guys have like, like a
1: formal conversation about it? Like, she was away for college at the time, but we would chat on like AOL instant messenger, and I told her via instant messenger. <laughs> my she's like, I kind of figured
0: like, oh, rude. This is, that's that's a mirror conversation of me and my friend Derek when he was in college. <laughs> he he aimed me, it's like, just yeah, so you I know, know. I, I'm gay. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's all good. That's... Yeah. There's there's a very, I feel like very slim population that even had the opportunity, let alone took the opportunity to come out to somebody via AOL Instant Messenger.
1: That's true. That's very true. That was a short, a short-lived population for sure. What a funny sliver of time. Uh,
0: so what? I mean, what what's what do your twenties look like then? Let's let's jump on board. Jump on your back ho- you're back home you're you're dating you're in college yeah, uh, you're drinking <laughs> what's
1: I did uh, one and a half years I think at, at Oakland University okay um, and, and there was an art history class that I had where I realized when we were doing architectural history, that I love architecture. And I always kind of have loved architecture. And I always admired the homes in Chad nineties neighborhood. Like, wow, mm-hmm. oh, these are actually really cool houses. Um, And so after that, I started like a winter semester at Lawrence Tech okay. for architecture. Uh, I moved into a dorm where there was a guy who never got the note that I was moving in. It was a very gross dorm room because he lived there by himself. Uh, that so that sense. was fun. <laughs> but um yeah, so I went to LTU for architecture and LTU didn't really have any like music. So I couldn't really do anything musical. So that, that passion just kinda died. Okay. Sadly. Just architecture access, school does though. not allow you much time to exist as a human being outside of studio. Yeah. So That did not help but yeah I was I met some really great people and I think I definitely grew a lot during that time I think I should not have had long-distance boyfriends at the time (laughs) (laughs) because that was difficult and there was a lot of things I wanted to do (laughs) in college that I did not do and yeah I was at LTU for six years wow do you get a job
0: in architecture, outside, like right out of school?
1: Heck no. I finished grad school in 2009 when there were no jobs for anybody. Perfect. The comedy crashed. Mm-hmm. You're like, I got nothing so, going
0: on. I better go watch Justin <laughs> play music at Bar Louie.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had this like, <laughs> pretty much. <I> had this <laughs> little like existential crisis um, in my final year of grad school it was like, I'm not gonna have a job after this. Why am I still here? But then at the same time, I've dumped like $100,000 into this. Why would I quit? (laughs) What am I going to do? But I decided to stay Um, with the encouragement of some really great professors. So yeah, finished grad school with no job. So yeah, after I got my master's in sustainable architecture. I waited tables at a little diner for, what, six months? And it was a nightmare because the owners were evil and would yell at you. And then I worked at Home Depot because I was like, architecture, build stuff. I might know some things. Yeah.
0: What else are you going to do with a
1: master's degree? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So I worked in lumber and building materials for a few months and then I got over to kitchen design where I got paid like eleven twenty five an hour instead of nine dollars. Yeah. But then I found a job that was more architectural or related, adjacent, I guess, at Wayne State. It was it was a contract job that was supposed to be for six months. But that was fun. And that ended up being a one-year contract. I extended the contract and gave me a raise interesting then that yeah. is when i came to check out pittsburgh really when that job was ending yeah that's how
0: long have you been in pittsburgh 11 years holy shit
1: i know <laughs> oh my god
0: i <laughs> for some reason in my head well, was like 10 and a half oh he must have just gone to pittsburgh sometime in the last like few years um <laughs> what that's crazy Okay, why Pittsburgh? So far you haven't mentioned it. I imagine it's not like oh, cause my aunt lives there. So what 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 right.
1: why Pittsburgh? So one of my current best friends, Nick, he is from here, uh, but he went to architecture school in Detroit.
0: Does he say uh, yinz?
1: Not really, no. <laughs> okay. He's not much of a Yinzer. Okay. Uh, surprisingly. So he was in Detroit and Long, long time ago, in the beginning of Grindr days, we met on Grindr. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that was, you know, when Grinder was just, like, to see if there are other gay people around. Yeah. And, yeah, I met him, and he was cool, and we just kept talking and hanging out, and we just became really good friends. So, when my job was done, the economy was still shit, and I always kind of felt a little nomadic, like, this world mm-hmm. is too big to stay in one place for too long. So I felt like maybe the economy's better in other cities. So I checked out Chicago, I thought about San Francisco. I just could not find a job. My friend Nick was like, well, come to Pittsburgh, check it out, see if you'd at least like it to live here. And also at the time, my grandfather was ill, kind of on his way out. So I wanted to be close-ish to home. And the drive's only like four and a half hours. Yeah. So, one Halloween weekend, I went to visit Nick out in Pittsburgh. He took me to, have you ever watch drag, right? drag Race? Was you, do you know any drag queens? Oh, <laughs> Famous drag queens? <laughs> I'm I'm familiar. <laughs> okay, well. Was there a good drag scene when, there? There there was, yeah. So, first night I was in Pittsburgh, he took me to a bar called Brillo Box, which is really great. And they really good food, lots of very vegetarian options, but Sharon needles and Alaska Thunderfuck had a Halloween show and there is a guy there that I thought was cute and pointed them out to Nick and Nick knew him. And I went to the bathroom and I came out of the bathroom and Nick was talking to the guy. So I had a little in there. So I met, you know, introduced myself, ended up dating him for like five and a half years. Oh, wow you're gonna brush yeah. right by that huh <laughs> yeah because uh yeah i was you know trapped in a narcissistic relationship okay and, so not a great five you know, and a half, manipulated right? into staying it's great okay so that was a good time so yeah so i met that guy and then i was like okay pittsburgh is cheap it's close-ish i know someone and it's kind of rusty like detroit and i liked it so i looked for i mean i met that boy and then started dating long distance for a bit while I was still in Michigan and then I a job out there and moved
0: out there. Pittsburgh's got some good architecture too.
1: Yeah. There's some good stuff.
0: So you're in Pittsburgh. You get a job. You're eventually getting out of this narcissistic relationship.
1: Yeah. Uh Um, Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that and, uh, you know, narcissism, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, the job I had, uh, it was an extremely toxic work environment. I'm just going to say it. It was this tactile, T-A-K-T-O. <laughs> and it was kind of a startup. these was really thin, ultra high performance concrete panels for like the outside of buildings, the decorative finish of a building. And I got to work on some really cool projects all over the U.S., one of which was national museum of architecture no african-american history and culture in oh in dc dc oh Uh, yeah that big wing structure over one of the entrances uh that was my baby for like two years wow that's Um, cool so that was really cool to get to work on something so prominent and i learned a lot there and because it was a startup i advanced quickly like there was one other architect when I started and by the end we had like a team of nine and I was one of the project managers there. And I loved the people. I loved, well, I loved my team. <laughs> uh, I loved the projects that we did. I loved getting to be like the go-to guy for the complex three-dimensional shapes. Most of the other people didn't have an architectural background. They had like a drafting background. Um. So, because i had that background i had more of an understanding of computer programs for one and how things go together i think it was really fun to work on some of those projects um like that giant wing at the african-american museum which i had to have a tolerance of like three millimeters but uh, i don't know what any of that means (laughs) it's tight it's really tight but the owners of that company were evil, and every meeting resulted in you're not doing good enough, and why is this this way? I just like just screaming. There was no encouragement or anything. It was just awful. So it was kind of like that narcissistic relationship that I was trapped in, and <laughs> I was like trapped in this job. But after four years, I finally got out of it, and finally after let's see what year was that 2017 eight years after getting my master's in architecture i finally got a job at an architecture
0: firm yeah
1: <laughs> yeah what What does that you look know. like
0: and where does you mentioned earlier on when, when we were talking um just like how depression has come and gone throughout your life i imagine yeah. with the relationship you spoke about that's probably brought on a lot of stuff uh this <laughs> job. <nothing>. jobs 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 <laughs> So what role has that played over the last how many years? Uh, there's there's really great, do you know, Jay Shetty podcast? Yeah. He was on a podcast yeah, I learned. listened to. I've never listened to his though.
1: Yes. That makes sense. He has a great episode about narcissism with this one therapist that I listened to. I mean, this is recent way after like, this is like the past few months. Um but I've learned a lot about narcissism and how it affects people. And one of those things that narcissists do is love bombing, <clears throat> where you know they will give you everything you want in the world just to keep you around, but then, you know, you do one three thing or you you uh you know just step on the wrong piece of dust in the house you know they'll (laughs) come at you for everything and you know try to gaslight you and that was really difficult i mean i i've always struggled like since my dad left i think with not feeling good enough yeah um like my dad wasn't or i wasn't good enough for my dad to stay or the way my career went i always felt like i wasn't good enough at architecture to get a job in an architecture firm, but it's just how things panned out. A little complex in the back of my mind. And he really fed off of that. You know, it's like, I'm gonna love you a lot right now, but tomorrow you're just not good enough. You're not doing enough. You're you're the cheater. I've never cheated. So yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Ten, 10 people I'm up to that I know of that he cheated on me with. But yeah, if I stayed out, you know, past two a.m. with my friends or something, or if, you know, if I just like stayed out till two a.m. with friends till bar closed, he would assume I was out cheating on him or something. And just guilty conscience, out. man. Yep, yeah, exactly. God, all the projection was yeah. on me. Um, but there was there was a point in that. <clears throat> in that relationship where i just realized this can't be right like i'm i'm too smart for this like i know what i'm doing (laughs) you're trying to tell me what i'm doing but that's not correct i know what i'm doing so there's something wrong with you and i think that's when i realized like okay this is a totally different world to him uh and i'm not really safe so i need to get out of this and uh we had started going to couples counseling and first therapist we tried to go to he basically just like bashed me and everything he was just like showing off all of his uh anger issues to her about things i do but I think what he was doing is controlling the conversation. So it never got to him. it never got to things that he does. Um, And he would, I found a different therapist that actually let me talk or like stopped him from talking so that I could talk. Um, And we started going to her and he would just sometimes just not show up. He'd be like, I I got stuck at work and By the fourth time he didn't show up without warning. Uh, I had like texted my friend, Matt, like Eric didn't dropped a name. Sorry. (laughs) Well, Eric didn't show up for (laughs) therapy again. Um, And I remember downstairs, this was in my house. We had lived in my house for maybe a year or not even a year. So I went downstairs to do the laundry which is like right below the dining room. My phone was on the dining room table. I heard it buzz from a notification. And then I heard him like walk over to my phone to read that notification. And it was from Matt. He was like, he didn't show up again. Isn't this like the fourth time? And so when I got upstairs, I like read that notification and went into the living room. And he just came at me for, talking about relationship issues with other people. Um, I was just like, you're ruining my reputation. And I was in my mind, like, you're doing a fine job of that for yourself, actually. Um, He's <laughs> like, I don't have any friends anymore in this town because of you. And should I just, like, leave and move out of the city? And I was like, yeah, that's probably for the best. And then... The next day you started looking for apartments and then you moved out a week later. It was great. Yeah.
0: You know,
1: it was just like <laughs> Bye. after that, like just like that moment of telling him, like, yes, go, please leave was like a million pounds off my shoulders. It's like, oh God, there's an end to this. Yeah. Like there's there's a future for me. <laughs> but the one thing that he, he taught me though is like how good of a person i am (laughs) like he's such a bad person (laughs) bravo all right i'm recognizing that you're just a shit human being so i know that i'm not like that and i try to be kind and gracious and compassionate with people and you don't know what those mean so i must be a really great person so there was an odd sense of growth and appreciation for that at the end like that's great I, i think i i wouldn't have i probably would have eventually but that that really helped me recognize that i am a good person and i'm not this demon that he makes me out to be and you know my my attempts at trying to be a good person to him despite what i got back was like who I am at the core. It's like, you know, someone who tries to help and help people with their own issues and, uh, you know, try to grow And which is also a flaw at the same time because, you know, I help people more than myself. Uh, but that was a good thing for me to learn and be aware of because it gave me a path for my own, uh, you know, self, my, my own soul searching, you
0: know, yeah. Yeah. after
1: that. Did that
0: start <clears> your, cause you mentioned um, being in therapy now, like, is that, did that kind of start that road or were you,
1: are we doing that or? I started seeing a therapist when I was a kid, when my dad left. Okay, yeah. Um, I think my parents tried to go to this therapist for, like couples therapy or family therapy to prevent the divorce. I'm not even sure. I don't know. But I know my mom stayed with that therapist for a long time, became good friends with him. Um, But he would want to see the kids and talk to me and my sister. Um, He also had an indoor pool that he let us swim in while my mom was in session, which was fun. Um, Okay. But Yeah. So, there was, yeah he was he was doing well but yeah that was, that was my first experience with therapy
0: so well but, I, I only ask that because like I I went to therapists when I was a kid you know I, I went to from divorced through like middle school <laughs> and yeah yeah uh, but <laughs> as an adult I say like I started therapy in like 2014 because <laughs> I, I see uh, I see that, what you're saying yeah that stuff as a kid like don't get me wrong <laughs> I needed it i resisted it i hated it at the time uh but like now mean? the therapy i'm in now oh like, man i'm trying to, talk to i love it <laughs> i'm like yes yeah let's uncover
1: more stuff and grow more i'd say i guess as an adult i started <laughs> after the narcissist relationship okay. uh but then i kind of stopped talking to that lady and then i met another guy and then Maybe we'll talk about that, but then I started therapy <laughs> again after that in 2019. Well what let let's fast
0: forward a bit. Okay. <laughs> what what are you doing what are you doing these days? What are you doing now?
1: I do see a therapist <laughs> well, every outside, other week.
0: Outside of that, what are you doing oh, outside of therapy? generally in your life and uh, <laughs> with architecture and relationships and family and
1: yeah um so i lost my job it at the architecture firm during covid um i just kind of rode that unemployment wave for a while yeah which was nice because i got paid more money um (laughs) then that ran out and then i was like oh wait (laughs) i should probably have saved all that money um so now When that happened, I reached out to my good friend, Joey, who has a construction company, just a small little thing, building houses, building and renovating houses. Um, And I asked him if he needed help, and he did. So I helped build houses for a while,
0: um,
1: which was a great experience. I learned a lot, uh, a lot of things that I think will help me in my architecture career. and as of January, he's made me his project manager. So, oh, cool. You now I'm I'm doing that for his company, but it's a great place for me to be right now. I think uh, it's good for my ADHD for one, because no no two days in a row are the same. Yeah, uh, there's always projects to do, schedule shifts last minute. You know, materials arrive late they're not expected, et cetera. Like it's always changing and it's nice. And I'm in a good like professional role at the same time where, you know, if I do want to move on, I'll have a good good handle on project management and in the construction world, which I think will be helpful for yeah. the design world. I imagine that that helps create a
0: more like well-rounded vision of of what that looks like. Like the totality of of what a project is like if you're designing a a building or working on a building or like getting all those aspects um, absolutely like oh
1: plumbing what? (laughs) You have to put pipes in these walls? And by... (laughs) As as odd and um, or, uh, it's like kind of all over the place as so my career path has been, each of those jobs has taught me something that I think is really valuable for being an architect overall. Um, eventually, I want to get back into designing because, well, to toot my horn, but I'm really good at that. That's what I'm good at in architecture. Yeah. But I'm, I also haven't taken the exorbitant six exams that you have to take to be a licensed architect for personal reasons, financial reasons, and yeah, it's just ridiculous. But, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to
0: say, <laughs> and not thinking I'm good enough reasons. Uh, probably that as well. Okay, like, I don't want to call you out. I'm not here to call you again. out. <laughs> Bob, do it. Show me my emotional. <laughs> just heard you say that a few times it sounds like that might apply there uh, <laughs> well i in the interest of time i'm gonna say is there anything we didn't talk about that you, you wanted to oh, there's
1: plenty we mention. didn't talk about well well yeah that whole like that whole relationship after the narcissist <laughs> that was a mostly the end of that was a big deal for me like how but He was basically my perfect man. And I had never loved anyone the way that I loved him. And there was like this moment I remember where we were standing outside of this old historic church in California. Um, Because partway through our relationship, he moved out to California, like San Francisco area. Um, and I would go visit him like every three weeks or once a month. But I remember this moment where he was just like standing with his back to me, reading this plaque, kind of like telling the history of that church we were at. And I just looked at like the back of him and just like felt this feeling in my heart that I never felt before. It was like it's like uh, in in the Grinch where you know his heart grows. <laughs> Yeah. At that one point, I felt my heart grow, um, and a month and a half later, after on that trip, we also talked about getting married someday. Um, but a month and a half later, he suddenly left me for someone else, and uh, that was very very devastating. Yeah, and that was also kind of. Uh, fortuitously around the time that COVID hit. So that was, he left in July of 2019 and then COVID hit like March, 2020. And I think that gave me the space to deal with that intense grief. And it gave me the time to like, not have to worry about work and just worry about myself. Yeah. Um, and that that's when I found my current therapist. She's amazing. Uh, she, I like sought out a grief counselor specifically because I had no idea how to handle that, and it was incredibly painful and debilitating. And it was, yeah, it was a very very dark time. But she was incredibly helpful and gave me hope. And I love her. She's amazing. i've I've definitely become like when you experience something like that like it it definitely changes you i mean it's like someone i mean not to you should never really compare grief but i feel like he but it's like a loved one just suddenly died out of nowhere unexpectedly they're just gone did it but it
0: was your relationship was the loved one that died but it was my, yeah yeah
1: Yeah. exactly but like in a way i feel like it makes it harder that he's still here you know he's not dead he's out there somewhere and i'm not with him and yeah that's that's that i think also was it was a very similar situation how my dad left so not only was it painful in itself but i feel like it triggered the grief that, at eight years old, I didn't know how to process.
0: Yeah, I imagine there's a bunch of underlying abandonment stuff there as well. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> all the abandonment
0: issues. Yeah. The, I'm trying <laughs> to think of the word, but the, uh, something. My mind isn't working today. The That's okay, not what, Whatever the word is, the mindset that you had to have to specifically seek out a grief therapist is fantastic <laughs> like good for you <laughs> like, to oh, just, thanks. <laughs> i mean you know that's because a lot of people i feel like would just be like i'm sad i'm gonna find somebody like actually most people wouldn't even go to find somebody so good on you there that's but yeah. um even if someone is going to find somebody they're just going to find somebody and then they're gonna you know circle around until they get to like the grief part and for you you're like no great like i had a loss i'm gonna find someone specializing in this and then it, like that's well impressive
1: <laughs> it, it wasn't right away the counselor that the narcissist and i were going to i tried to go back to her and i felt yeah. like she wasn't getting it she wasn't she's like oh i've experienced grief i'm like no you haven't experienced this, this you're not getting it but, yeah, but so you left and, that and, and went to someone else yeah so i asked her for a recommendation and she actually gave me this recommendation so. that's that
0: can i tell you why i love that story um not to like take <laughs> the attention away from you but like as someone that's going Do into it. that career no, it's like it's so important that people understand that they don't like you don't have to see somebody that you're not fucking clicking with and any yeah. therapist that's worth their fucking degree <clears throat> is going to be like, okay, you don't feel like we're clicking. Like, let me help you find someone else. Or like, okay, bye. Yeah. Like it's fine. <laughs> and they're not going to be like, what? You can't leave me. <laughs> like, that's not yeah, that's that's like... how that works. And I I just think that's so important because so many people start therapy and immediately leave because they're like, oh, I didn't, we didn't click. I was like, then find someone else. Like, it's okay.
1: Yeah, right. It's, yeah. It's like a relationship. You got to date around a little bit. Oh you find God, the right person. Yeah. I wish
0: <laughs> if there was some sort of speed dating where it's just a bunch of therapists. I... <laughs> That's a great idea. Oh my God. What a disastrous emotional evening that would be. <laughs> Let me sit down and I'm going <laughs> to. In five minutes or less, I'm going to tell you all of my trauma. You're going to give me some sort of treatment, and then we're going to move on to the next person. I'm going to repeat myself. Um, all right, I gotta, I gotta start drawing this up because this is my money making idea. <laughs> hey, write,
1: it, write it down. Write it down.
0: Well, I, I'm, I'm, because we're about to hit two hours. I'm going to say thank you. <laughs> I, I, thank you, Justin. I love it. Well, enjoy the rest of your Friday, Keith. I really appreciate you doing this. Uh,
1: thank you. I appreciate you uh, having me on here. Well, Amazing yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's so good to see your wonderful Enjoy face. your long weekend. I hope you actually have a long weekend.
0: Yeah. Hey, next time you're in Clarkston, uh, don't drive back to Pittsburgh without letting me know you were here. You could have just been
1: sitting across <laughs> I know, from it's... me. <laughs> it, was a, it was a short, tight Trip, though. Well, I'll All talk right.
0: to you sooner than later, and I'm going to harass yeah. you even if we have plans, and you're in Pittsburgh and I'm in Pittsburgh.
1: Hey, I'll be here. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, buddy. So good to talk to you.
0: You too. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent.
1: Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend?
0: All right. You just listened to my interview with Keith Bartley. I love it. Um, The Young Americans thing was so funny. I had no idea that he did that. And if I did, I I blocked it out at some point. But what a funny group. I wonder if they're still around. I meant to look that up. I'm going to. Um, And I can't I can't believe that he's in Pittsburgh. You guys, I go to Pittsburgh all the time. I got to go see him. I got to go. I got to go check out my bunny Keith. That's how I talk now. So yeah. Last episode of the season. Season four is over. <laughs> Holy shit. Season four is over. I've done four seasons of this. Four years. I started this in 2019. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. That's literally, that's literally blowing my mind right now. Um, Thank you, everybody that's listening to this that has listened. Uh, absolutely wild, absolutely wild. Wow! But the summer series is coming up next week. Uh, I'm not even going. I'm not going to spoil anything. You're going to have to stay tuned and find out exactly what it's all about. Also, I talk like this now. Hope that's cool. And I'm very, I'm pumped about that. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun summer series. Remember last year we did self-care summer, had a lot of experts on to discuss tangible self-care ideas this year. Who knows? I mean, I do, but you don't. (laughs) But stay tuned. And thanks again for listening and sticking with me this whole season. God, a long season. I started grad school when I started this season. Oh, all right. That's all. <laughs> I love you guys. I will talk to you later. Bye bye.